They would ask me, are you this kind of a theologian? Are you this kind of a theologian? And I would say, I'm deformed in my theology. <laughs> I try to remain a biblicist. I will not let a system of theology dictate the meaning of God's word. Well, welcome to the Sound Words podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's word. If you are listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we encourage you to check out Sound Words Ministries on YouTube and view the video version of this podcast. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson. I'm with Pastor Jesse Randolph. And today we have a special guest, Pastor Dave Farnell. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. How are you? We're great. We're, we're so glad to have you on. Um, Aaron just called you Dave, but I call you Maximus. And <laughs> if, uh, if our viewers are watching on video, if you're listening to the podcast via video, you'll see why. Because behind Dave Farnell is a wall full of gladiator memorabilia uh, from the movie Gladiator. And, I got uh, more. Hang on. Here, <laughs> look at that. We even have motion picture oh, going on. Goodness. This is a lot of incentive for this checking is... sound words out on YouTube. Yeah, this is... Wherever there's a wall, something will go up. <laughs> okay. Well, Maximus uh, was my Greek professor and taught me a lot of the New Testament at Master Seminary. Uh, he is currently the director of the Redeemer Center for Church Leadership at Redeemer Bible Church in Arizona, uh, Gilbert, Arizona. And Dr. Farnell, I, I strike that, not Dr. Farnell, Pastor Dave <laughs> Maximus is going to address the subject of biblicism today. So biblicism, that's a sort of a hot-button topic in our day. It's being widely discussed in various uh, realms and conversations. So Dave, Maximus, it's hard to call you Dave, I, I got to say. Many of the guys called me Minimus. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you t just start off our conversation by by giving us a sense of this this idea of biblicism and biblicists? What does it mean to be a biblicist? What is biblicism? How do we even define those terms to start off with? Well, I've used that term for many, many years in class because what it means is our authority is solely the Word of God. Where did I get that example from? Jesus. When Jesus was dealing with the people in his time, he always told them, Search the scripture. He excoriated the Pharisees for their tradition, he told them, you violate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Long ago did Isaiah tell about your hypocrisy. And so I began to realize as I was teaching, now this is going to get you heartburn, guys, but theology can be a chain that prevents the word of God. Can I share the screen with you? Can you see that? Yes, we can see it. Looks great. As I was teaching through the Word of God over the years, and I was teaching Ephesians, I was teaching Hebrews, I was teaching these classes over and over again, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit was showing me that some of the theology I had been taught may be filtering the Word of God in a way that it shouldn't be. So in this chart of interpretation, there are some walls that preachers probably don't even consciously realize. There is the preacher, and then we have all of these theological systems. And I know how students love theological systems, but actually I've discovered in my, it's my personal opinion, 
that theological systems can actually cause us to misinterpret, misunderstand, or have a bias that's already there prior to coming to the Word of God. And this bias is twofold. Number one, yes, theological, because a lot of guys become zealous for theology, for theological systems. Admittedly, some are better than others, guys, but they're, I'm sorry, they're rose-colored glasses. I, as a great advocate of grammatical historical hermeneutics, began to see that we need to approach the scripture, number one, as inspired and inerrant, and then my hermeneutic is grammatico-historical. We look at the original languages, and we look at the facts of history, which today they don't even know if there is history, but the facts of history, we pay attention to the context, and through the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit and what the Word says, we let the Word speak. But what's happening is that People come zealous for theological systems, and they become zealous for adding to the grammatico-historical hermeneutic. And I've noticed that they've added creeds and statements. And they would deny this, but they would put the creeds and statements on the same level as Scripture. And that can cause us to misinterpret, misunderstand, or get the Word of God completely wrong. So over those years, I developed the term biblicism, and I think I said this in many classes that Jesse had. They would ask me, are you this kind of a theologian? Are you this kind of a theologian? And I would say, I'm deformed in my theology. <laughs> I try to remain a biblicist. Now, that's hard to do, but what it means is that I will not let a system of theology dictate the meaning of God's word. I must allow the word of God to correct creeds to correct theology, and I became very sensitive to that and saw many students become zealous of systems rather than, Lord, I want to preach what your word says. I have a prayer. Lord, I never want to say anything as a preacher in your pulpit that is not centered on the purity of what your word says and your word alone. Now, I know that's hard to be perfectly objective. I know that. But at the same time, I have a zeal that I never want to mislead precious seminary students. I never want them to think that a theology should control their thinking when they approach a passage, that they should use God's word in prayer and allow the word to speak. And while that may sound, well, normal, that is not what happens. Many of the young guys become zealous for systems, and then they get into creeds, and those creeds become part of their hermeneutic or part of their theological sunglasses that color and distort God's word. And I see this happening more and more. There are cycles in church history. We seem to be moving toward creedalism. But remember what the Reformation said, sola scriptura. What's interesting, though, is many of the people that would call themselves Reformed are big time into other than Sola Scriptura. Now, we can have respect for creeds or doctrinal statements, but remember, doctrinal creeds, doctrinal statements, all of these great things are man's attempt at rendering Scripture. And that's a bias that man has. 
So therefore, the primacy that Jesus already always said was search the scripture. And then on the road to Emmaus, Jesus scolded thee in a nice way. Jesus was kind. Don't you read the word of God? Do you not know that the Messiah had to suffer before he entered into his kingdom? And he opened the word to them. And you know what it said when Jesus was on the primacy of God's word? It said their heart burned within them. It's the word of God that will burn in the heart, not these creeds. And So I'm considered by many because I really don't follow any theological system. Maybe that is a system by not following. I don't know. But um, I actually want the word of God to have absolute control of my thinking with the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. No, I haven't gone charismatic in the bad sense of the term, I believe, you know, but that's where I'm at, that we need to emphasize the primacy of scripture. And there is a teaching ministry, gentlemen, of the Holy Spirit. First John chapter two, you have an anointing. Jesus talked about this in John, the spirit of truth will teach you all things. And when you get into membership with these theological systems, I've noticed the guys kind of parrot one another. And they all, if whatever is popular at that point, they all begin to parrot this particular thing, this creed or this historical critical ideology. And the word of God is impacted negatively. So that's essentially... What I've told the guys for my 25 years, I belong to no theological club. They probably wouldn't have me as a member anyway, <laughs> but um, I want the primacy of God's word. And I want that word to correct me. If at any time when I, do you realize the responsibility, gentlemen, we have as preachers that God will hold us accountable and everything that we teach impacts people's thinking. I became so sensitive to that with seminary students because I knew that I wanted them to have the purity of God's word as first Peter talks about. And I didn't want to have that varying. Amen. We agree that, I mean, it's not creeds or theological systems that corrects, reproves, trains in righteousness. It's the word of God. That's why Paul said, didn't say preach the creeds, although there was a tradition, but that was based in the Old Testament. Yeah, it was the word. It was scripture. It was the word. And what we have today is theological clubs are encouraging their guys to add to their hermeneutic creeds and statements and to their theology. And what that does is that eisegetes. Let's talk about that. When you do that, when you have grammatico-historical and you add on theological or creedal, then you are eisegeting God's word. You are reading into it elements that may well be foreign. And um, I become very sensitive to that. And a lot of guys will react to that because they're in some of these theological clubs. The only club I want to belong to is when Jesus, I'm before him and he's going to say, Dave, what did you teach people? Hmm. And I want to make sure that I say, Lord, I taught them to be faithful to your word, your word alone. Jesus said this, he who follows my word is like a man that builds his house upon a rock. And when the floods came, 
Everybody else was destroyed. See, it's Jesus. It's the scripture that is that rock. These yep. creeds, nice. I'm not saying some of them are nice. Well, I mean, we follow the Nicene Creed in terms of what the early church believed, but I wouldn't put any of that on the level of the God's word. Those are just men's. Here, let me get more trouble. Theology is the product of men. The word of God is a product of the Holy Spirit of the living God, which is sharp and active. And there's where I want to keep my emphasis. Amen. Our church has been taught at least a few times by me in the last year. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this quote from Bernard Ram in Protestant Biblical Interpretation, where he mentioned— I'll be using that in hermeneutics. As old as that one is, you know yeah. what I'm finding out too, Jesse? As I was teaching hermeneutics— the old ones are the good ones. That's right. That's right. But he has that line in that book about building our theology brick by brick through exegesis. And the systems of today have that flipped around, right? Where we're, we're building almost the roof first rather than from the floor up. It's the inductive versus the deductive right. logic that's it's been flipped. We build what we believe on an inductive, prayerful, spirit-filled examination of the language of scripture and our understanding of trust in God's word. But what's happened is now they want to deduct, add to grammatical, historical, literal. They want to add theological, creedal, whatever, and they're eisegeting God's word. And we'll be tied to anyone that would try to call this out among some of the young men. I'm finding I guess I'm getting old, guys, but I'm finding some of the young men are not teachable. I believe they become self-impressed in the stories I hear from students about their interaction with professors. Jesse, you can tell me, if you disagreed with me, did I get upset? No, no. You got upset about those who would go against this idea that you're promoting about just teaching what the Bible teaches— and, and promoting and following the way of Jesus Christ. You would get animated when we depart from those very basic foundations of the faith. And now I'm hearing that if you're not for the creeds to be put into your grammatical historical, some of the young men are becoming very confrontational. And I'm hearing some disturbing stories, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Pastor Farnell, if I could probe further, uh, on creeds and theological systems, why is it that you, that you think men love them so much? What is What drives the propensity to create these creeds and to hold these theological systems on par with Scripture? I think it's because they have involvement in some belief system. Only God had involvement in the Word of God, and you must accept it. But if you have involvement in theological systems, you can control the outcome more. So it's power and control over people? I would say those doctrine. are two two very good terms that it's power, control, you know, in church splits. Honestly, most of the time it's never over a theological issue. It's over who controls what. Hmm. And in this, I think you're exactly right to use those two words, which I would have eventually used myself. I'm glad you said it instead of me. Uh, <laughs> yes, and that's what happened. I'm remembering, too, of a quote you shared, see if you, if you can remember it and tell us, um, uh, before our podcast, and you're talking about uh, role models, I think it was in the context of the, the Redeemer Center for Leadership, we are to not 
role model human teachers, but role model Jesus Christ. Did I say that correctly? Yes. The Bible, Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord. Why don't you do what I say? Jesus said, I am your teacher. The the New Testament apostles of the first generation always pointed to to role modeling Jesus. Even when Paul said, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ, what he's saying in the original is, I'm imitating Christ. Now you come with me in that imitation. What has sadly happened today is many of the young seminary students forget that. And there are some very prominent theologians and preachers. And instead of role modeling Jesus, seminaries and other places put forth men to imitate. Became very sensitive to that over my years. And it was always, always A disciple is not above his master. And I have to ask people, when Jesus said that, Jesus was talking, you you need to role model me. A disciple is not above his teacher. It is enough that when you are mature, that you are like your teacher. And some guys role model a human. Now, some preachers are better than others, but all of them are imperfect models. And they're going to disappoint you. You know what? That's something that as I've gotten older, every one of the ones that I was around that were prominent, as I became familiar more with a ministry, I was very disappointed. And that's why the only one, guys, that will never disappoint you is to role model the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he preach, but he practiced what he preached. So that's how I'll answer you. Can you take us, Maximus, down this road of bibliolatry? That's a a word that will get thrown around in certain camps and tribes. Uh, They'll hear what you just said about biblicism and where canons or creeds and confessions fit. And they'll say, no, and, 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 the, and the counterpoint will be, well, you're just a Bible worshiper. You're engaged in bibliolatry. Uh, I've heard the phrase paper pope thrown around. Uh, this is your uh, authority in that, that negative sense. Um, without getting you too riled up or too irked, how would you respond to that? What, how, what do you say to those who say biblicists are engaged in bibliolatry? Well, that started with evangelical critical scholars, and I won't mention the name. I saw that years ago, and that was greatly disturbing to me. First of all, it says in Scripture that God has exalted his word above his name. There is no way that you can turn the word of God into an idol. You can turn a creed into an idol. You can turn a theology into an idol. But if God has exalted his word above his name and Jesus is the word, Uh, That's illogical, what they say. Hmm. And so what is happening is there's a deprecation of the authority of God's word in that. The only authority that a preacher has is the word. Preach the word. For the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching. And that word there in Timothy is healthful. The word sound means healthful. You know, I have to be careful what I eat because some of the things that I like are not helpful. And so Paul used that with doctrine. But what he meant was it's centered 
solely on the word of God. And if you start adding ingredients, <laughs> it just does it like it does us. You ever read the ingredients on so many things? Um, uh, and there's many things in the ingredients of food that are not good for us. And so there is the analogy. You cannot. Now, you could do this to a translation. I love the New King James and the King James. I don't, you know, it's the word of God, even though it's thou and thee. But there are people that do turn a translation into an idol where that's the only one they'll read or that's the only one that they think is the word of God. Well, the word of God is based in the autographs in the original language. And so, therefore, it's not in a translation. So there are some errors, but that's not the word of God. Translation is not, it is an attempt to render. But you cannot take God's precious word and turn it into an idol. That sounds to me like some of these historical critical scholars, these evangelical critical scholars, want to be an authority in themselves. The only authority you have, gentlemen, is the word. Agreed. Pastor Farnell, one question to close us just briefly. Should all Christians be biblicists and why? The answer is affirmative yes. And I'm telling the guys, take your theology and your creeds and subject them to the word of God. Now, what happens is they've got those, see those glasses? Can you still see that chart? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. You, you, they don't realize that when they come to the word of God, they have to ask themselves, what glasses am I wearing this morning that would inhibit the spirit of the living God, the spirit of truth from teaching me? They got to be sensitive. Here is what technically I will use in class. You got to be sensitive to your presuppositions. That includes me. But all of these things, no matter how good you think your theology is, no matter how biblical you think your theology is, the word of God reigns supreme over them. And you have to be willing to re-examine all of them and be sensitive to the fact, you know, that's what I was taught about this passage. But Lord, am I understanding this because I am responsible to you as I teach people what your word really says. To be a preacher is a very dangerous occupation because you are being accounted faithful to Jesus and to the word of God not to a theological system. As much as I appreciate the Reformation, I must subject their system, Romanist system, you name it, a prayerful, when you come to a passage, Lord, don't let me ever suppress what your word teaches by adding on these rose-colored glasses. Help me to be true and faithful to your word. That is very difficult. I'm going to tell you it's easy to say. It's very difficult, but you have to do it so that you preach the word of God. Because when the word of God in its purity is preached, that's when the Holy Spirit is sharp and active. And uh, there's tremendous growth by doing that. Pastor Farnell, you clearly view the Word of God as God's very Word, as profitable for reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Thank you uh, so much for your stance on the Word of God, your preaching, and your teaching even today in this podcast. 
So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, guys. You bet. And uh, listeners, I encourage you to check out the SoundWords podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to uh, receive more biblical content. Pastor Jesse, do you have any closing words for our episode today? Well, I have more than usual because of my admiration for this man. Just sitting here listening to you, Maximus, share what you're sharing about the importance of the centrality, the focus of the, of the Word of God and subjecting our theology to it. It takes me back to seminary. It takes me back to those convictions that were formed early on. Um, it, it makes me just excited to think about how that teaching that you gave me and all those faithful men uh, is being carried into faithful churches around the country now, including ours. So just very grateful for you um, and your ministry and your, just, your, your pattern of faithfulness all these years and that you'd be willing to stay in touch with me as you do for many of the graduates of Master Seminary and encourage us and spur us on to remain faithful. So I'll just leave it there that I'm very grateful for you and, yeah. and grateful for your ministry. And our final, final word as always goes to God and his word from 2 Timothy 1.13, where Paul says to Timothy, retain the standard of sound words which you've heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening.